You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Quick little note here at the top of the pod. Talked with Chris Manning from Locked On Cavs. This is our chance to talk about baseball in general. We went uh, shy of an hour. If you want to watch the whole thing in one sitting, you can go check it out on WKYC. I'm going to split it up, use it over the next two days. Uh, it also opens me up just to veg out and watch the draft tomorrow, which I'm sure any Cleveland fan can appreciate. I make several draft references throughout this podcast, so look forward to that as well. But without further ado, this is my discussion with Chris Manning from Locked On Cavs talking about the Indians. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis. Today, we have a Cleveland crossover edition. We have Chris Manning from Locked On Cavs. We're going to talk some baseball. Uh, the Indians game is occurring as we're recording. So if you see my eyes go to a screen, that means maybe something good has happened in a game that has not gone well. Quickly, before we dive into our conversation, I did want to make take a moment and say that you're going to be listening to this on draft day. Uh, so remember that the Locked On Podcast Network is partnering with the Draft Network to cover the NFL Draft Live, get insights and analysis from Locked On local experts and the Draft Expert Draft Network's national experts. Subscribe to the Locked On NFL YouTube page to watch their three-day coverage of the NFL Draft. Uh, and I will say again, I love their mock draft machine. So go check out those guys and then subscribe. Uh, if you want to do a mock, it's the best way to just go through and fill slots. I have... I find it relaxing, honestly. Maybe that's just being a Clevelander where I will do a full seven rounds of picking every single team. And it's just it's a calming activity for me. So go check that out. Uh, watching a game like this one today where it is in the fourth, 7-1 twins uh, in the lead is a, is a day where you need a calming activity. Logan Allen, his third straight start where I believe he hasn't gone three innings. This one, he went home run, home run. I can't remember if it was a walk or a single. Or no, he has back-to-back home runs. Uh, someone got on base. And then a third home run. Then he got three straight outs. It was looking good. Started out. Got two base runners on and then a wild pitch, and he was out of there. The Indians are on to their third pitcher already in this one. Something to watch. I pulled up at the alternate site. Scott Moss, Eli Morgan aren't pitching. Those are the guys on the 40-man. So if they, they're kind of stuck with Allen, uh, the starters down there, Joey Cantillo, who... I believe is one they need to add to the 40 man at the end of the season, part of the Clevenger trade Kirk McCarthy, who was a seventh or eighth round pick more of a, a depth guy in the minors. Not really the hit. We're not sure if the stuff is major league level, but really good command has missed bats. Uh, Juan Carlos Mejia, who has been on the 40 man for a few years, but has never hit double a and uh, Kyle Dowdy, who was a rule five pick of the Texas Rangers a year ago. So if things aren't working out with Allen, not our best set of uh, choices right now due to some arm, arm injuries. Also, very quickly, touching on Oliver Perez, who is designated for assignment. He's pitched well this year. He pitched well last year. It is very interesting from the perspective that they're letting him go. It does open a 40-man spot if they do need to call up an arm to send Allen to the alternate site. So just something to keep in mind. But in addition, they're keeping Kyle Nelson. They're keeping Sam Henches. They are going with a bit of a youth movement. That is something you're clearly seeing here when they're deciding to keep those pitchers up over Perez, who isn't performing poorly. Now they need to open a spot because Nick Whitgren is back from the paternity leave, uh, paternity list, and he was gone for like two two days where they called up uh, Nelson. So that is just things to note at the top of the show. Uh, now that we have all of that out, uh, thanks for sitting for the first three minutes. Uh, Chris, glad to have you on the show. 
No, man, it's it's good to be on. It's good to do a little Cleveland crossover, talk a little, you know, talk. I get to talk about a, a organization that, it, you know, for all of its warts, which I know we're going to talk about, is a little more stable than the one I cover in the Cleveland Cavaliers in a lot of ways. So, you know, it's good time. To, this You know, this game aside that, that's going on right now and everything there. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, Cleveland sports is a different levels of dysfunction. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you have an Indians owner who lost his minority ownership partner and essentially can't afford to run a baseball team uh, doing the best they can, but that payroll has dropped uh, the learners. You can go. I, I always say, if you want to see behind that curtain, I think it was Seth Wickersham did an article like three years ago. That's, that's the one to go see. And we all know about Dan Gilbert and kind of some of the circus stuff there in a weird way. Uh, while Gilbert's willing to spend, which in Cleveland is nice, would you rather have the owner who's going to be that wild card uh, who's willing to spend, or would you rather be in the Indian situation where the owner isn't willing to spend, but just stays out of the way of the smart people? Yeah, I think it's uh it's an interesting question. Um, hmm. I think you would probably, I think you'd probably, I mean, like it's a, co- it's a cop and answer, but I'd almost rather have like the, 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 the version where it's like, you're spending smartly because, like, I mean, you know, I, I think in a perfect world, like you, the Cleveland baseball team could like pay people like at a, at a high and like not have this consistent churn of players going out and continuing to sort of play the middle ground. I, th- I think that that can be very frustrating to sort of see, even if you can understand why they do it. Um, at the same time, like I, you know, Cleveland, the Cavs ownership can be often nuts in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, it's willing to spend in certain instances, but there's also like, the the whole these franchises both are like i think clearly trying to find ways to like profitize the 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 team which is obviously the right it's it's a business to so to speak but um it's it's just one of those things that's tough i mean i i tend to like like sort of appreciate if there's a thing i appreciate about cleveland and about the dolan i will say that i do think having Antonetti and like having like people that know what they're doing around for so long is like an advantage over what Dan Gilbert has done with the Cavs, right? Like Kobe Altman is somehow the first general manager he has ever given a second contract to. That is like wow. absolutely crazy. I, think I realize that. Yeah. It, it's, it's a little crazy. Um, and it's like not, you know, you know, Danny Ferry was, you know, was there and then, you know, Chris Grant happened and David Griffin and then Griff leaves because of, um, you know, basically control issues and Kobe is now the guy that like, like there's something that is hard to build if you're doing that, right? Like it is hard to have an actual functioning franchise unless you have sort of stable leadership and culture is a little overstated, I think, especially within uh, the, the, this ecosphere. But I, I certainly, I think like having a brass that sort of can, consistently make decisions and is able to have a stability in place to kind of make the moves it thinks admitted circumstance, I think is at least kind of, at least kind of an advantage that you can do something with if you're willing to, you know, go certain directions to do other stuff, but that obviously doesn't always happen. Yeah, it is. You know, it's interesting in that regard that, um, Mike, uh, I'm going to butcher his name now because I didn't look it up ahead of time. Mike Chernoff had the chance to go to the Mets with Cohen and kind of have the opposite situation to what he has with the Indians and, and chose to stay. So there is, you know, you'd rather see the happy medium for sure with a team like the Indians and the way baseball is set up. Do you think, how much do you think that roster churn hurts their ability to grow the fan base or even to keep fans in there? Uh, I mean, I, whether or not they could keep some, the chance that they would keep a Lindor is incredibly low like he was going to be a guy that uh, small market teams don't get to keep so how much do you think that 
just hurts the sport and hurts like a team like Cleveland. So I kind of think, I kind of think it does make it harder because I do think you just feel like there is at times a, a situation with the franchise where, and, and tell me if you think this is off base, but I feel like people are just like, okay, like if, if we're not going to be consistent and sort of like spend and sort of be like, do something, I think the way American sports sort of work is like, boomer bust in a lot of ways like you want to feel like you're either competing for a title or you're doing something smart and like on your way back up to trying to get to that place again right like, i think that's sort of how this works um i don't i i think you sort of the the vibe i think that the general consensus on it owns is like they're just not a very you know expensive organization and i think there's just a lot of unforced errors in in the way you they do other stuff right like i just think there's a lot of things that they've done I mean, I think the the Lindor thing dragging out as long as it did is not necessarily their fault but like it it just ultimately like isn't like you never really win when you have to trade a really, really good player. That's true in, in the NBA. That is true in the NFL that like, you just don't really win unless you're getting like a boatload of stuff that people can sort of grab onto. And like, I don't know if there's anything in that Lindor trade that is like explicitly like something you can latch onto is like the, the step forward, right? Like at least another other instance, you were able to get interesting prospects. Like I, I'm, I can remember being like amped about like Matt Laporta back in the day in the, in the CC Sabathia trade and stuff, you know, like, you, you can go back and do that stuff, um, but it obviously doesn't always work out the way Matt Laporte obviously, you know, sucked at the major league level. Um, but I, I do think there is just like, uh, it's it's tricky. And I, I think there's like, maybe it's also just one of those things where like, I wonder if there is like, you know, there's always like the talk about like attendance and like, it is hard probably to get people to go on the weeknight, but like how much of it is just like disengagement with the product, how much of it is like the lack of like a, I don't necessarily feel that there's like the civic connection with, with, with Cleveland in the way that there is like the Browns and the Browns sort of have caked in advantages. Um, I think the Cavs can suffer from sort of the same thing, but I, I think it's tricky. Um, I mean, again, like, I don't think like the way the Lindor thing plays out helps anybody. Like it just makes it hard for everyone to sort of function and, and be an organization that people want to, I think get invested in. Um, I mean, I would argue the name changes sort of that way, you know? And then I think like, there's just a bunch of things you can point to. I think that make it complicated, but I, I mean, you also saw like when they made runs, like the city was nuts. Like when they made world series runs and they were deep in the playoffs, like the city did really respond. But I, I wonder, I, I there it's, it's very telling that like you can't sustain like support is always going to dip when you're not at your best, best, best. But I, I, there's something to be said that like when things are a little off and yes, there's limited crowds and stuff now because of COVID and everything like there's not quite that that all buy-in that you would sort of want to see, I think, ideally. Yeah, it's, you know, baseball is weird where we don't really know the books and we don't know everything is, uh, the only information we get at any year is uh, the Atlanta Braves because they're uh, publicly owned or publicly traded, that's it. So I, I know like a few years ago, I sat there and literally multiplied average ticket price in attendance and added that to TV uh, contracts and the difference between the Braves payroll and the Indians payroll was within five or 6 million of that difference. And for as much as attendance hurts, you know, the Dolans are known for, you know, family wise, not necessarily uh, the ones here, but everyone got a chunk of uh, the cable money. Uh, and what's killing this team more than anything else, pardon me, is is the fact that they signed a terrible TV contract, that they have yeah. one of the low-rung run ones here. Uh, now, they made their own network for a year. I remember this because I had some articles appear over on their uh, sister site. Anything I wrote that was extremely ownership-friendly, like I wrote an anti, like a big yeah. thing about attendance, all of a sudden showed up over there. Uh, 
so it, that was interesting. But they essentially made a network for maybe a, two years, might have just been one. And they got $40 million up front for that network plus their contract. Now, the yearly contract, again, is bad, but it's one of those things where they they didn't read the market well, and that hurts the team. And then, of course, as they're kind of at their peak of attending, we don't know exactly how much um, the minority investor who, I don't know why I talked about him so much, and I'm having a blanking moment, who's now the owner of the Royals, we think maybe 30%. Uh, you can just see the minute that he left that uh, that payroll has sunk and sunk and sunk to where they are uh, one of the lowest rungs in baseball. And it's that I think might be more frustrating than trading Lindor himself. Uh, I have a well, actually we'll take a, a quick break here and then I have I'm going to give you a choice of three players based on stats. when We come back and see which player you would pick from this group in the early going. Uh, It does tie to Lindor. So we'll take a quick break and then we will jump right back in. Today's sponsor is BuiltBar.com in the first segment. I am someone who is on my fourth or fifth order. It is a fantastic product. The Same, same. same, Yeah, I just keep going back. And I get bored with things and I do not get bored with Built Bar. They always have fun flavors from uh, that they pop up here and there to try everything there is great. Like I liked their old formula fine, but the new formula is even better that they instituted over the summer. When you go to builtbar.com, you want to use the promo code locked on 15, that 15% off is the same discount I get as a repeat customer. So take advantage of that. Uh, like I said, get a mixed box, see what you like. I know in the baseball chat, someone was like their favorite was raspberry and they're upset when they lost not to ding raspberry. That's my least favorite. So I was like the one I don't like is someone else's favorite. And I think that also says a lot about just the item in general, the the bars uh, I've talked about. I'm gluten free. Most gluten free bars are rocks. These are nice, easy to eat. It's what I have for either breakfast or lunch most days when I'm teaching. So that is builtbar.com. Remember that promo code is locked on fifteen. Okay. And since I said okay, people know we're back from break because I can't break myself <laughs> of that terrible habit. So I'm going to read three stat lines I wrote down here before I. Uh, went on the podcast and these are slash lines so it's the first number is average the second is on base the third is the slugging percentage so player one has a 212 average a 321 on base a 273 slugging uh, runs created plus which puts everything together yeah. to give you one is a 75 and an overall war which a compiling stat in the early going is yep. kind of terrible but still gives us yep. some info of point two. our next that's player a player b has an average of 153 242 on base, 220 slugging, runs created plus of 35 and a war value of negative 0.4. And then our last player is a 192 average. So uh, about 20 points lower than the pre- than A, because I don't think anyone's taking B. Uh, 250 on base, which is about 70 points lower than the top player. A 385 slugging, which is 110 points higher, runs created plus of 77 and a war of 0.2. So player A and player C, player A is getting on base. Player C is having more power. Which one would you prefer in the early going? I'm going to go on base, but like I also understand that like the way the game, there's a ton of home runs now, like that the way the game sort of works is sort of can be sort of home run heavy base. Like I'm, but I'm, I'm a sucker for on base. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go A here. So you chose Francisco Lindor. Okay. That, I think that's a feel, lot of, a lot of people would not realize that that is what Lindor is doing in the early going. That And 
we get uh, player B, Ahmed Rosario. Those numbers are up, I'm sure. He had a home run today, so that's a positive for him. And then player C was Andres Jimenez. It is funny because Jimenez is like the willowest guy in that group, and he's got the best slugging. Like he's the one you don't expect power from. But like Lindor last night got booed by the Mets fans. And yeah, I saw that. If you go back to 2020, which it's hard to take any information really from 2020, but Jimenez actually had a higher uh, runs created plus than Lindor. Lindor admitted to being a little out of shape last year, and he's continuing getting into this year so far. So I know everyone's upset about Lindor. And if you expand that trade even more, uh, Carrasco hasn't pitched this year due to injury. And that trade did bring the Indians Eddie Rosario, uh, who currently has a uh, zero war value but might have just done something in this game as he's clapping hands with people and the Indians have a new run. So he's doing positive things. Uh, <laughs> but if they hadn't done that trade, Lindor's value would be shot if he had mm-hmm. done this. Carrasco wouldn't have any value and there'd be no Eddie Rosario. This team would be worse without the Lindor trade. As crazy as it is to think about with all of their struggles, there is no way they're not worse if they had held on to Lindor for one more year. No, I, I wonder if they did this. They did the trade too late. Ultimately, you I know? agree with that. One hundred percent. I just wonder. I wonder if like you just get ahead of it. You do it because everyone knew it was coming. Is the thing right? Like it's not like there was like a, like a sliver of hope that anyone actually believed that they were going to like resign him and and build that way. Like it's sort of like assumed that he was just going to get traded at some point. Um, like Zach Meisel from the Athletic was like would repeatedly just like joke on joke about like like i'm not gonna i can't talk about this again like it's just like you're gonna keep asking me about this and it's insane um i just kind of yeah i wonder if they did it too late and i don't know it's like it's sort of impossible to know what maybe the offers were at the the earlier stage um and i guess i sort of understand like if you're trying to still like try in world series like maybe like you can tell yourself hey like trading lindor is sort of like a uh, way to not help you do that. But I just wonder if you did it too late. And it, and I wonder, I, I would like to like visit the alternate reality where like they traded him six months earlier to the Dodgers or pick whatever really, you know, team that would have been willing to do that. Right. Like, I, I wonder what you could have gotten depending on the situation. It's again, it's impossible to know, but like, I, I just, it's one of those things that you just sort of wonder if you hold on to the asset too long, if you were going to go that way where you had to kind of trade him. Yeah, no, I agree with that. A quick programming note. Yeah, I had the wrong Rosario when I that's what happens when you're not really looking at the game. It was not Eddie, it was Ahmed who had the good moment there. So he's having himself a really strong game. Maybe we want to go with player B. Uh, but I agree. It's one of those things you look at the Dodgers trade. Alex Verdugo has some baggage. It's not one of those things that's been like hugely broadcast, but you can easily Google and find the stories. Uh, the prospects, Dieter Jones, Dieter Jones. Nope, that's a spoonerism. Jeter Downs is a rising player and higher than anyone prospect wise currently that the Indians got in the deal. The prospects, the Mets had a very shallow system and the Indians didn't get any other top 10 prospects, which says enough. Uh, so the Indians essentially got two interesting lotto tickets and a failed prospect who two years ago was at least a league average bat and a huge athlete. And then a guy who, Jimenez was the star of the show. That's that's what this is all about. He had held his own at age 21 in the big leagues and was on par defensively. So, but I agree. You, you look at that Dodgers deal where they got a, not a guy coming off of one year, but a guy with like 
two good years in the majors, who is a proven outfielder plus prospects. Uh, and again, you know, you look at the Dodgers, that's Corey Seager. Now they're saying he might be the highest. Uh, there's so many shortstops that are free agents at the end of this year that he might get the biggest contract because he's bounced back before that bets deal. Seager was a question mark at short. The talk was they'd have to move him if they got Lindor. Uh, the the Dodgers still had all those pieces. Like that was probably the sweet spot. And you have to think with the years of control, what they could have gotten. And then you get turn around and you come to where they did that trade after the COVID season with everyone tightening belts, at least in the early yeah. going. You know, the the monetary half of it, the fact that Lindor was owed 19 million. And I've said it many times. I honestly think Carlos Carrasco was a either free or part of that deal. Much like when because the, the crazy part is not only did they the Dodgers trade for Mookie Betts, but they also agreed part of that return was taking on David Price's horrible contract. And Carrasco was the price of this deal. Now, not to that degree, but he was in there as a very similar piece because uh, the Indians needed to, to cut a few dollars. Uh, and they did reinvest some, but not all. But yeah, it's the timing on that one was just, they waited a second too long. And... You know, the, to me, more, maybe more of the humor was it just kept adding more shortstops. I don't know how many shortstops they're going to have. Uh, it's, it's, I understand the logic. You know, the NFL draft this week, I've always said shortstops are the quarterbacks. They always rise. You always need more. But it's one of those positions where, uh, I mean, they're loading up for, I don't even know what they're going to do with all of these players uh, unless it is, you know, we're, the Jose Ramirez trade is probably within the next calendar year from this. Uh, well, maybe from July. I'll give them that much time. I think next July is probably the point. Maybe they feel like they'll move one to third. And heck, we have a shortstop playing first base today. They're just going to feel the team with nine shortstops is what it's going to become. That's It's going to be all shortstops all the time. And, uh, you know, maybe they'll bring back Austin Adams for any of you uh, deep fans. He was a shortstop before they <laughs> drafted him, who was a, a reliever who threw the most hittable hundred mile an hour fastball you've ever seen. Like he uh, didn't stick in the majors for very long. It was very straight, but uh, at Austin Adams, I remember that not to be confused with Austin, I believe D Adams, who was with the angels and uh, led to a lot of confusion, but that is the, the fun of, uh, of baseball is some of those confusing players. I mean, Jose Ramirez was always the other Jose Ramirez as a prospect. That's kind of the funny to go back right, again. I don't know how deep you go, but there was a pitcher with the Yankees who was the good Jose yep. Ramirez. I, I have an uncle. The, who, I have an I have an uncle who is a a Yankees fan because he's from New York, and he he'll text every time Clint Frazier does something good, he texts me about it, which, yeah. is, which is very insulting on his part. And he, I think the only reason he has a Twitter account is what it is. So so far this year, not a whole lot of it is is what I've. Well, the, on. The, yes, the, yeah, the catch the the other day, and then him wearing he was yeah. the seventy seven thing. Uh, why he's wearing 77 he had like a yeah. very good like joke out of which respect no but yeah i know that uh it's it's the humor i mean that's the thing this indians team in its current form shane bieber was never a top 100 prospect uh i mean the whole pitching staff neither was kluber neither was clevenger at peak i mean bauer was Bauer was a high pick carrasco was but i always talk about this carrasco was a guy who his prospect time with the Phillies, he was like, it was like a declining graph. And then he got to, I'm not on screen. I'm trying to like watch myself with the pen here, but it's, uh, I remember when he started hitting people in the majors and people wanted to cut him. Like that's it. Yeah. They've, they've been surprisingly successful with guys who are not the biggest names or 
biggest prospect rank. I mean, you can even go back to when they traded Bauer and uh, Taylor Trammell was the big prospect who went from San Diego or went from Cincy to San Diego. Essentially, the Indians traded Bauer for Puig and Trammell and then traded Trammell for Reyes, Allen, and Victor Nova. And then a year later, the Padres traded Trammell. And if you look at his stock, it's just been this decline uh, pretty steadily. Great athlete, lots of skills, but uh, some questions about uh, his ability to be an everyday player. And uh, the Indians' approach just seems to be quantity. They're, you know, again, I'll lean heavily into the uh, the NFL draft. This is the team that essentially is taking a prospect approach of trading down with every single pick and with all of their trades. That's exactly what they are doing. Before I get back to you and we yeah. kind of finish up with some fun things, I better jump here at the end uh, before we run out of time and get our next chance to talk about a sponsor. That is betonline.ag. Normally, this is the point in the show where I then go to Bet Online and look at the line for tomorrow's game. The Indians aren't playing tomorrow. So instead of doing that, I'm just going to remind everyone, it's not just sports. You can go there. There's poker. There's eSports. They do. I know they did stuff for like reality TV and for award shows. Anything you want to bet on, it is on Bet Online. And when you go to betonline.ag, use the promo code Locked On. That's a fifty percent bonus, five zero. That is the biggest number you're going to hear, and that is on your first deposit. Go check out Bet Online today. Remember to use the promo code Locked On. Got too many windows open. I'm sitting here trying to click between and light, light, life of a podcaster is having so many tabs open that your fan on your computer starts to spin. And then you're like, why am I making that noise? And you're like, oh, I have 35 Chrome tabs open. And I didn't mean to do that. I hundred percent do that all the time. I was like, okay, nope, nope, nope. Where am I going? I'm like, no, I don't need Kirk McCarthy anymore. I can, I can click that one away. I can get rid of Eddie Rosario's stats. I just need to be uh, moving down the line. So I know uh, in some of the chats we've talked about, some of the frustrations with the Indians so far when you're looking at this team, I know we talked about to some degree with it, uh, the inability to keep talent and, you know, the obscenely low payroll. It's one thing if you don't have a low payroll, but maybe, maybe like if you know your team is got some glaring holes, like invest, like to me, first basemen are cheap. CJ Cron hit 30 home runs and then got cut. You can always find a first baseman. Uh, they're, and they're cheap. They're not expensive to add. They decided to not even try. And I think that is where some of the frustration, like, you know, it's a hole, you know, it's an issue, but let's ignore it and hope we can pave over it with uh, whatever we have on hand. Cause it's not like they're hey, just let, running yeah. Bowers. It's like, they're also well, yeah, like, Hey, I, let's try Chang. Yeah. It's like, Hey, uh, like you, you guys have gotten excited on Twitter about Bobby Bradley before, like let people, the casual fan sort of know, see like hit homers in the liners or whatever. Like, sure. Um, yeah, they're, uh, like, but it's also like to their credit, like Framo Reyes has been like incredible to watch. Like he's been so fun. Just bo- like hitting these deep ass home runs. Sorry, WK with team swear. Um, you know, Jose Ramirez is awesome. Like, and you intrinsically trust the franchise with pitching. Like you just sort of do like, like, please sack, like have that, like that off outing. And then you're just like, okay, like I just sort of assume that they'll figure this out. And Bieber's incredible. Like the best Bieber by far. Like, even though you sort of like, don't love that, like Carrasco, like isn't around anymore and like all that. And like, you know, whatever, like you sort of are just like, okay, they're going to like, f- like pull a fifth starter out of nowhere. And then you get to the end of the bullpen and like Karnashek and, and Emmanuel class, the class or is it, it's class or is it class a, we, I've heard, I keep, I'm not sure. Tell me. I've been saying you class know? a and no one has okay, corrected so, me yet. Okay. So, so we're I going class think a. that might be right. But sometimes 
I don't know if it's just people have given up on the fact that I have such horrible pronunciation or if they're just giving me uh, if I have it correct. To pull back the curtain, I am a nut job who doesn't always watch games with sound on because I just want to watch and like not distract myself with a bunch of noise. So I, I, I do not know if I've ever heard Klasse's name said out loud. So yeah, that, I that's often the, sit here with mute on and I'm like, yeah, yep. I get little, you know, I, I, I'm the one who also has like the subtitles or the, you know, closed yep. captioning on, you know, that's that's yeah. how I like to listen to a baseball game. Yeah, I'm. I do this with basketball. I don't do it with football, uh, but basketball and baseball, like I will watch sound off a little, maybe a little bit of like ambient music, just to like call it, like to create like a nice serene sporting environment. But like you, I like the the back end of the bullpen's fun. But yeah, the first base thing is bizarre. I think the outfield stuff is bizarre. Like I didn't get the the whole Naquin like thing where he was just like hitting homers. I'm like, okay, this isn't real. Like I don't believe that this is like he's suddenly like great because he's in a different situation or whatever. Like that that stuff is is I think quite silly. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's just glaring holes. And again, like I, I am sympathetic to like COVID, like with the Lindor trade probably made like harder than you would have. You could, no one was predicting the pandemic was coming, right? Like no one was like, okay, there's a pandemic coming in March and like, we got to do our moves before then, before teams could catch up. Like I sort of understand like that wasn't a thing, but I think like even just finding like a minimum, like as you lose, like there's real first base more cheap. You can go find them. And like, just plug them in for a year and figure it out. And then like, maybe you do something in the off season or maybe you just continue like that. That becomes like your like running back thing where you're just like churning through them at low cost and you don't like overinvest in that position because it's just not, it's just not worth it for whatever reason. Um, but it's like, I, it's like, it's, it's also just like there, there is like the core of like a fun team. Like Framo Reyes is incredible. Jose Ramirez is incredible. Like you have pitching, you have the back end of a bullpen, like, you know, sir, I, I think the other thing that I like I was alluding to when what you're referring to when you're talking about this is like some of the off field stuff I like, honestly drives me a little nuts. Like uh the w- wishing Omar Vizquel happy birthday on a broadcast was is a is a uh, choice. Is a is a is a is a choice. Um it's it's, it's a, just it's bad optics. Like on a team that tries to go out of their way to like not bother or offend, like the best thing is to just say nothing. Because how yeah. many fans honestly even know it's his birthday? How many people are like, why didn't they wish Omar a happy birthday? Not yeah. like four, five. It's not gonna right, right. Like Karnashek, like you know, have your people have a freedom to have their opinion, but like comparing yeah. like vaccines to like the Nuremberg trials is 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 a choice. He's using um, a bad quote that drives me nuts. Like yeah, do it's your not research. Like, yeah, like yeah, like just like don't like rely on like like don't like just don't don't do that. Um. And look, like the, the whole name thing is like it is what it is. I just think you look at like what the Washington football team did. If you if you're gonna do it, just rip the band-aid off and like you're gonna be fine. Like if anything, you're gonna have people buying more merch because you got something new. I think you know what I mean? It's their it's thought process it's, it's, is I think they're trying to make them my whole theory on this is they announced it to maximize money because the whole yeah. thought process is they're gonna let everyone know that this is the last year you can go buy it. So everyone who's very staunch and old school, go and buy it now. Like I think they were trying to yeah like okay sure everyone's gonna rush out who wants it the next year go out and we'll get a double dip of a merchandise uh boom i think it was like that my theory you know operating that way it's yeah it's i i just think i think they just make choices i think they make choices that are just like a little peculiar um i mean like look even the the i i think the whole mickey calloway thing remains just like a, a point of like real weirdness to me. Um, and that's like understating it. And obviously the allegations against him are extremely serious. And like, you know, uh, Tito, they back to Tito. I mean, that's they, like, yeah. And and like, look, I I've had this discussion with folks um, like privately about like how, like you not, you know what everyone at your work does, but I'm just like, look, like if, yeah. if, if, if part of the, if you're going to give quotes that are like, 
he's a great guy when he go gets gets a manager job. And this is sort of like you're, you're sort of tying your reputation to that in some way. And that is that is a that is a choice. Like there are these choices that I think kind of color it a little bit. But like I'm I'm also like I mean I think everyone once you get to a certain age, once you're like in your 20s or late 20s and your 30s, where you look at sports and you realize that it is there is just like some there's a lot more kind of blah at the highest level than you sort of kind of realize when you're growing up and falling in love with the game. Um, and I, but I still will gladly like this summer at some point I will be hopefully sooner rather than later. I will be going down to progressive field, drinking some very expensive beers and, and watching baseball and I will enjoy myself and it will be good. But um, yeah, I think there's certainly just some frustrating parts of it, but like, again, like Fred Ray is just like hitting bombs. Like I'm in like that, that is enough. And if Karnacek for, for the, dumb Instagram stuff on its own. Like I will watch the, him pitch. I watch class A pitcher because they're, they're fun to watch and they're fun. Um, like they're, they're electric and when they're out there doing their thing. So there, there's a lot to like, but there is just like these little things you're like, did you, this is like just a choice that I don't quite run my around. I'm not even like trying to be like extremely like PC about it. I'm just like, there's just like some tone deaf things where I'm just like, you, you could have avoided this. Like, this isn't hard. This isn't like, being overzealous this is just like using your brain and thinking about like your fan base as it's not like this like one specific monolith very quickly here at the end i want to remind everyone to check out the locked on draft coverage go check out the locked on nfl page it'll be today's the draft if you're listening so today they're going to have the proverbial wall-to-wall coverage great dudes great everything go check that out today i'm kind of ending this one at a juicy bit so make sure to turn in uh turn in tune in tomorrow to hear the rest of my discussion with chris about all things relating to the Indians and even, you know, Cavs and Browns come up with points. Uh, I have been Jeff Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at Jeff MLB Draft. And for the next year, maybe two, go Tribe.